Welcome to Dubs OT, your weekly Warriors podcast on thesportsvirus.com. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Woodson and Joe Castellano. Ray, I want to call the play-in tournament the play-out tournament, at least for the Golden State Warriors, <laughs> because they, they played themselves out of the playoffs because they were in the eight spot, but they end up losing to the Lakers in a thriller, and then they lose in overtime to Memphis to end their season. And, you know, if Steph Curry isn't Superman, and I don't think he was, even though, you know, the final numbers look pretty good for Steph to score 39 points, but it didn't feel like he was Superman in this game. And if he's not, uh, this team has a tough time winning, and you just cannot get away with 21 turnovers when you're playing a team that is also backs to the wall and uh, feisty like Memphis is. And in the end, it just came back to bite the Warriors how sloppy they were in this season-ending loss. Well, they, they turned over the postseason, Joe. I mean, 41 turnovers in the two games against the Lakers and the Grizzlies is just not going to cut it. And they weren't making their threes. Uh, and, you know, that's just a bad combination. Uh, they got off to a slow start tonight. The, the defensive effort wasn't there in the first quarter. I think there was some letdown over a gut punch loss to the Lakers. It's what we talked about Wednesday night. You know, was, was the energy going to be there after a tough loss? You had to forget about it. It was had a great game plan, and, you know, it was, it was their game to win. They, they controlled the pace of this game. They made the Warriors work very hard. Uh, you know, not a lot of stars on the Grizzlies, although John Morant looks like he's going to be one, and that was his signature game in his short NBA career tonight. Uh, you know, they, they, they laid off him, and he, he made them pay, and he made some threes after missing a big one uh, at the end of the game Sunday, and he hit some big shots down the stretch and in overtime. Uh, you know, this is, this is a legacy game, the first of, I'm sure, will be many. Uh, for John Morant. But aside from that, I mean, it's not a not a great roster. Valanciunas can be a problem for some teams, but he can also get in foul trouble, like he did tonight. Uh, so I, I think the Jazz is going to handle them rather quickly. But, I mean, they're, they're a team that's making some strides. And, uh, again, they show some fight. And they're, they're playing it at their pace. They controlled the tempo of this game, and it was a long, hard, uphill climb for the Warriors to get back to even by the end of the game with a chance to win it. That, that felt like that. Uh, uh, mountain climbing effort just to get to that point. And with a team that was basically down to seven players, although they played Mulder some minutes, you really couldn't in crutch time. Uh, it was, it was a tough ask for them to take it to the tape, uh, in overtime. They led for a little bit in OT, but Memphis took over. And you give the Grizzlies a lot of credit. You give the Warriors the blame. I mean, this, this is what a team that's in a playing game does, I guess. They, they make a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, I, I felt all along, we talked about this the other night, that the, the Warriors should have had a better record than they did, probably should have been a six seed. Um, but, you know, in the final analysis, how far was this season going to go anyway? Would have been fun to see him try, for sure. Would have been fun to see Steph Curry in the postseason. I'm, I'm guessing the networks and Adam Silver are very disappointed that Steph isn't going to be playing anymore, although the Olympics are coming up and he might be involved in that. But, um, yeah, that's just kind of a, a dispiriting end to a, a mixed bag of a season for the Warriors. Yeah, he had a stunned look on his face, Steph Curry did, at the end of this one. And, you know, you don't lose a game really in the first quarter, but you put yourself behind the eight ball the way they played. I mean, I looked up at, at the clock, the four-minute mark, 
in the first quarter. The Warriors had 11 points. I'm thinking, what is going yeah. on? I mean, I think they had four straight possessions where they turned it over. And for Steph Curry and, and everybody on that team, they have to be pretty aggravated that it wasn't just you know the type of turnovers that you can kind of live with. A lot of those turnovers were completely unforced errors where just sloppiness. Sometimes the, the basketball looked like a hot potato. They couldn't even catch the ball, throwing errant passes all over the place. I mean, that was not what you expected from the Warriors in a do-or-die game. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they've had some big games this year where they, they've turned it over a lot, so maybe maybe we should expect it. But, <laughs> yeah, there was, some, there was some frying pan hand turnovers. Uh, I also think that Memphis had a real good defensive game plan, and this is, you know, when you play a team a couple of times, you get to, to really read what they're going to do and understand the action on the offensive end. And they anticipated passing lanes pretty well, guys like Kyle Anderson and Morant. And uh, so they, they kind of knew what the Warriors were going to do, uh, and they have some length, which I think bothers the Warriors, not only in the passing lanes, but at the rim. And uh, on top of that, I, I think they switched up on Draymond a little bit. Instead of uh, laying off of him at the three-point line, they, they came out and challenged him so that he couldn't penetrate and possibly get a, a lob pass or kick it out for an open corner three. They had that read pretty well, too, and Draymond turned the ball over a lot. and He was really having a horrible game in the first half, better in the second half. Uh, their defensive rotations were slow, and again, maybe that was part of a hangover for Wednesday night. Uh, but they played much better defensively in the second half. It's just they, they dug themselves that hole. And in the game that was being played at Memphis's pace, uh, you know, a 10-point lead seems much bigger. You know, in the NBA, usually 10-point lead, yeah. But this felt like a, a, a 90s NBA game, and it was going to be much harder to get back into it, especially the way they were shadowing Curry. But you know, I, I, to the Warriors' credit, they did get back and forth overtime and had a chance to win it at the end. And I want to talk about that last play. In regulation, Joe, um, I think Steph was trying to make the, the right basketball play because they, he was covered, he was smothered, and you get it to an open Draymond, and, and maybe he can get it to the hoop and, and get a lob for a dunk or something like that, but it wasn't there. And, you know, some players in that situation, if they're fed the ball, they're going to pull up and maybe hit a, an elbow jumper uh, with, with one second left. But that's not Draymond. That's not what he's going to do. He's used to, to penetrating and seeing it what he can create. Well, he gets in the air for the dish, and there's no dish available. And so I think the last second, he, he decides to shoot the floater, which is not his best shot. I've always contended that Draymond really, really worked on that floater. He could get a lot more points in this league. But uh, see that as it may, uh, I think the shot was partially blocked as well. But I think hardly anybody would have been mad if Steph had gone hero ball in that situation. Uh, you know, I, I'd rather have it in my super ball, su- superstar's hand, have the ball in his hand more than anybody else and see what he can create. But it just wasn't in the card. No, and he played a lot of minutes. Steph, uh, he played the entire third and fourth quarters, which is never the case during the season. I mean, he's coming in in the fourth quarter with about six or seven minutes to go. So, you know, Steve Kerr playing it the way he should because – it's a do-or-die game, uh, and then he plays all of overtime. So he played 47 minutes, uh, the most on the team. He he didn't look like he was dead tired, but I just think as a whole, the Warriors looked sluggish. Like you said, it took a lot out of them to play that game Sunday against Memphis and then play the Lakers, and then two days later play Memphis again. I, it just seemed like you know they just ran out of gas as a team. Yeah, and again, not having Oubre, 
and not having Wiseman down the stretch affected their rotation. They had a nice little small ball rotation, and they've been playing well the last few weeks, but eventually it's going to catch up to you. And uh, I think it did uh, by uh, the start of this game. Now, again, they, they found some energy and found some, some better defensive pressure in the second half, but it just wasn't enough. I mean, you know, Steph's just an amazing athlete, and we forget how well-conditioned he is. And then again, at 33, winning his scoring title, uh, and, and not being, not playing above the rim like Michael Jordan did. I mean, Jordan, the last guy at age 33 to win a scoring title, and he won another one at age 34, but he was a different type of player. Uh, Curry does a lot of this below the rim or from three-point land. He scored 122 points in his last three games. I mean, the dude, dude is special with defenses all over him with three or four guys on him. And this gives you a window Joe into a competitor and how he looks at things. We we keep talking about, oh, you gotta give Steph some help. How does he how does he continue to to deal and cope with all these people all over him? It's just got to be so draining. And he said post game that yeah, it can be exhausting but it could also be fun trying to figure it out. That's a great window into what a competitor he is. Oh yeah. I mean and I think that was the case the whole year. He just figured out ways to score. Every team that came to play the Warriors, whether it's here or on the road, um, they're going to throw bodies at Steph Curry and look at the season he had. Like you said, he he won the scoring title. Uh, I'm curious if you would have played somebody else uh, outside of that eight-man rotation uh, because Jeff Van Gundy had mentioned, oh, he'd bring in maybe Eric Paschal. I don't think I would no. out of nowhere because Paschal hasn't played at all lately. I don't know that I'm just going to change things up out of nowhere uh, to try to you know do something different. What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, not in a, not a do-or-die game where a guy is rusty. I yeah. mean, you know, I, I understand wanting to look for guys who could provide a spark and, and take some minutes away from, from other guys and give them a little rest, but I just didn't think this was the situation, and I don't really know what their plans for Pascal are going forward, to tell you the truth. Um, but do that as it may, I, that would have been a real flyer to take him in there. If they put him in the game, it's maybe for three or four minutes. And, you know, you're asking a guy who's coming in the game cold, coming into the postseason, or the, I guess you call it that, postseason, uh, coming in cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I think the risk-reward Steve Kerr just looked at it is probably not going to be worth it when you can give those minutes to, say, along with Scott Anderson, who's been providing such great energy to this team. Uh, and I will say I love JTA, but he had a really bad minute there in the fourth quarter. And I think he, you know, he looked hyped up, and he'd never been in a situation like this before. Um, uh, you know, here's hoping he gets some more next year, and I think he's he's going to be an important part of this team. But that closing lineup the Warriors had out there with Draymond and Steph, it should have been enough, but they need somebody else to step up, and and that was cool. It wasn't going to be Pascal. You know, so, uh, again, I, I don't know how Pascal fits in a rotation going forward with this team. And, of course, a lot of that depends on what happens with the draft and, and the, and the offseason, whatever deals they might make. We're both in agreement that Jordan Poole, I mean, really stepped up at the end of this season. He looks like a totally different player from where he was a year ago. Uh, now he looks like a guy who can really be counted on to provide offense, not just three-point shooting. Because, you know, I, I thought that was really – 
going to be his thing. If he was going to make it, he was going to be comfortable shooting threes, and, and he's certainly doing that. But he he's also improved so much driving to the basket. He's making these acrobatic shots now. I am really excited about his future. Yeah, yeah this is one of the guys who can make his own space. And those guys in the NBA, you hang on to those two because not everybody in this league can do that. Uh, he and he just looked like he was stronger and stronger as the season went on, more and more confident. Uh, he's got the pretty much the same range Steph does from three. Uh, doesn't hit it with quite the same frequency, but he's enough to be a threat. And, you know, I just see him getting better and having more confidence. The guy's only 21. You know, I repeat, Jordan Poole is only 21. Amazing. So that that that's pretty enticing. Uh, he's he's gotten better at finishing at the rim. Uh, he, he made a nice little play with that lob to Wiggins for the layup, which was a mid-air decision he had to make. Uh, he got those big three free throws late when he, when Memphis should have challenged it, though, because he kicked out his leg. I can't believe they didn't challenge that call. That's what did they have to lose? Why didn't they just challenge it? Yeah. I, so, so, I, I don't know. Was it like a, an IRA and was going to roll over to the next game? <laughs> wasn't going to be a next game, maybe. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, if they challenge that, they probably don't go to overtime. So uh, I don't understand that at all. But, you know, and I think Memphis' staff, I think Jenkins did a really good job with this team preparing them, and they had a real good game plan, especially on the defensive end. But, man, that was a blunder on their part that, fortunately for them, didn't come back to bite them. Yeah. Uh, but Poole is going to be very important, Joe, next year. I mean, for the obvious reason that he provides more scoring punch and probably coming off the bench, but you got Clay Thompson coming back, but it's going to be a slow buildup. And Clay said it himself. Clay's not going to be Clay at the start of the year or whenever he starts his season. And they're going to, they're going to baby him a little bit, maybe 15, 20 minutes. And it's going to be a slow build. So, so they're going to need some minutes from another contributor in the backcourt. And that guy's going to be Jordan Poole, you know, and, and whoever else they, they acquire, either a draft pick, and we can talk about that a little bit, or, or through trade or free agency. But uh, they're going to need four dependable guys in the backcourt, and Poole's going to be one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty exciting to see, you know, Poole, Curry, and, and Clay. you have those guys spread out, and then you can't just focus on Curry, right. and that's going to change everything. Andrew Wiggins needs to be more consistent. I, I, I love his game. I think he's I think he's a great athlete. He's got so many good moves. Uh, he plays pretty good defense. Uh, he's probably better than a lot of people thought he would be with the Warriors, but I still think he could be more consistent. I, I'd like to see him, you know, just improve his game even more for next year uh, and show up more often because when he does, this team's pretty tough to beat. Well, he did show up more often in the second half. We talked about that last week. Uh, disappointing at the start, then he was finding his way. Yeah, and very good at both both ends of the floor. And I, you know, he had a real good defensive year as well as contributing on offense. But yeah, a little sporadic, still a little up and down, a little bit of a Harrison Barnes uh, vibe <laughs> in this game. <laughs> uh, you know, there was a there was a brick three. There were a couple other moments where he he, he you know seemed to, afraid to take the shot. Other times he, he made some nice drives for the hoop. And this dude can slash to the hoop and elevate. I mean, he, he can really get to the rim in a hurry and surprise people. Um, but, again, there should be more opportunities for him next year. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not precluding the possibility of a deal, you know, going forward. But, I, you know, this is a guy I, I still think is going to be very helpful in this rotation um, with Clay Thompson coming back and whatever, whatever else they acquire. 
I, I, I tend to decide on having him stick around. I think this group is good for him. And I think he had a, a overall pretty solid season. And there's still room for improvement for him because he's, he's still not an old guy. What is he, 25, 26? You know, so his former number one overall pick. The dude's got talent. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's another, you know, one of the, one of the rare guys on this team that was a scoring option aside from Steph most nights, but no, not every night. So uh, yeah, a little more consistency, a uh, little more assertiveness. Uh, but I, I think he took some nice steps forward this year. Yeah, he is 26. So yeah, I mean, still prime of his career. So what do you do in the draft? I mean, the Warriors. Uh, they're not sure really what's going to happen with Wiseman. How is he going to come back next year? It seemed like he, you know, he just didn't get his normal development that he would have gotten. He, you know, he's been behind uh, all the way because he barely played in college and he didn't have a full season this year. Uh, so, where do you think they need to strengthen themselves as far as the draft? Well, first of all, with Wiseman, he needs to get a full training camp. Get in there as early as you can for training camp. Yeah, because he didn't have much of that this past season either. I mean, it just all the factors working against that kid this year. You can't give up on a talent like that, though. Um, unless, unless you're able to package a deal to get a guy who can, you know, we've talked about this a few times during the season, get a guy who can contribute now to a team that has a window of about two or three years to be a championship contender. And I, uh, how long can you wait for Wiseman to develop? I'm just saying, you know, as a fan of the league, you don't give up on this guy. He's, he's truly talented. I don't think he was always used the best way he could have been used this year to make use of the best talents that he has. Uh, I think part of that was due to the roster construction and some things that they didn't have that they needed out of him. Also, Marquis Chris got hurt, uh, and that was under the radar harmful for the, for the Warriors for a while defensively uh, this year. Although they ended up being a pretty good defensive team, and I think it's credit to the coaching staff there that they were able to do that with this roster. But when you have Draymond, you should have a pretty good defensive team. I think Wiggins stepped up in that regard, too. So you got Wiseman, and you know, you're looking at this team down the stretch that had a pretty good record and thinking, wow, with Clay and you know another piece, maybe uh, another big man who's a veteran, uh, they look pretty good next year. And are you going to spend that time being developmental with Wiseman, you could kind of defend it this year, even though it's a team that probably should have been better if they hadn't been messing around for the first half of the year. I don't think the Warriors were all in on this team, what it was going to be, until the last couple of weeks. And then by then, it was too late. That's the roster you had with the injuries. So they were trying to develop this kid while kind of trying to win. It was just a weird vibe. And then he gets hurt. He gets hurt a couple of times. He has COVID. I mean, it's just nothing went right for this, this guy this year. Mm-mm. But, you, you know, it's pretty tantalizing to, to see what he could do with that group next year. Maybe he does take a big step forward, and if he does, holy crap. I mean, that's, that's going to be a roster. But uh, there may be some deals available out there with him uh, with a couple of draft picks, and, you know, that, that depends on where that Minnesota pick falls. Uh, they've got the Warriors got their own pick, pick, which in all likelihood will be the 14th pick. But that Minnesota pick is hanging out there. There's a small chance it's, it's a number five pick. And in this draft, you want to be top five. Otherwise, uh, you want to look toward next year. 
so we'll see where, where the ping pong balls fall for Minnesota. If they end up having a top three pick, then that's it for the Warriors. If they don't get it this year, it's conveyed to next year. And, you know, what, what do you do then with a 14 pick and a pick that's conveyed for next year? You can't do much with that in terms of a trade. I mean, if that happens, I think you're looking at casting your lot with Wiseman, unless there's some other package deal out there I'm not thinking about right now. Oh. However, yeah. However, <laughs> if you've got the number five pick, you've got to get that guy. But there are five guys out there who could probably help the Warriors right now uh, from this draft. You get outside the top five, it gets a little dodgy. Let's say you have the number seven pick. Well, then you find try to find a way to package seven and fourteen, maybe with a Wiseman or another player, and see if you can get a veteran who can help you. Um, I don't know how likely that is because I, I think the league is going to look at those seven and fourteen picks and say, "Eh, you know, not much. It's not knocking my socks off." So I don't know how easy it would be for the Warriors to make a deal with the seven and the fourteen, unless they threw in a Wiseman. And again, it depends on what they're looking at. But I, I guess the bottom line, Joe, is there's a wide range of possibilities here. And don't forget, we're coming into the last year of Steph's contract. So there's that little that little twist. And and you better believe that if you're Steph Curry and you want to look to the future with this team, this team better be giving you an excuse to look to the future with this team. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's going to be a lot of uh, interesting decisions to make. Uh, hopefully they do get that five pick, like you said. Uh, and then even the guys that you have right now, like, you know, the Damian Lees of the world. You, we already talked about Eric Pascal, uh, Nico Mannion, Jordan Bell. Like, what are you doing with these guys? Are, are they going to get playing time yeah. next year? It's going to be interesting to see what they do with, with the players that they weren't playing at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think outside of the guys you've already mentioned, I mean, you got JTA on the roster, you got Wiggins, you got maybe Oubre. I'm not sure how that, that's going to go. My, my tendency is to think that Uber is going to be somewhere else. Then you got Steph, you got Clay, you got Wiggins, you got Draymond, and maybe Wiseman. I mean, that's a pretty good base on which to build. I got to say, those are, those are the guys that you're looking at. Uh, who else jumps in there? Uh, Jordan Poole, I should say, also. Who else jumps in there? You know, they, you're talking about eight or nine guys right there. Uh, is it going to be a Mulder? I don't know. Is it going to be Damian Lee? Maybe, maybe because he fits with his team, he gets some some bench minutes, but I think next year they're going to have to be a little more strength in numbers because, again, you've got your star players are all over 30. I mean, the Grizzlies went strength in numbers uh, tonight, and that gave them a bit of an advantage, I think, by overtime. The Warriors roster is down to, to a seven, eight or seven-man rotation. Uh, they're going to have to expand that for a longer regular season that's going to start, as I understand it, at about the normal time in October. So uh, you got to be thinking longer game with with stars that you don't want to fatigue too much. So I, I could see them adding a piece or two and having a nine ten man rotation next year. Uh, I don't know if Damian Lee's one of those guys. Maybe outside chance, but apart from that, uh, you know, probably not Mulder, probably not Mannion. I don't see these guys figuring in long term. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, Mannion was a, a what forty eighth pick. So I don't know how much anybody's expecting out of him anyway. If anything, he's an end-of-bench guy. Uh, you, you, you hope you find another JTA out there or something like that. Maybe that'll be a depth piece as well. 
But we could be talking about a totally remade roster by training camp in September. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been an interesting season, right, for sure. I mean, Steph Curry made it exciting. The whole team did. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think Curry exceeded expectations, which is pretty hard to say that oh. for a guy, you know, who's been an MVP and everything. I, I didn't know that he could pull this off with this group the way he did. Uh, so I'm still going to look at this season as a positive uh, from an entertainment standpoint and, you know, from a standpoint of growth of the team. You, as you mentioned, Wiseman didn't get – as much uh, experience as you would like to see. But I I think the team did grow, um, and and I could see next year uh, being that much better if Clay's healthy. And and like we already said, all those those decisions that have to be made, uh, that will be, you know, something that we're going to be looking closely at. But I I think the the West is loaded, so you better be ready. Because, look, I mean, if LeBron James is the number seven seed, and they, you know, of course they were hurt at the end of the year, but still, the Lakers are the seven seed. That tells you how good the West is. Well, I still think the Lakers are going very deep in the postseason once they get their act together. If nothing else, because they've got the best defense along with Utah. And they've got two of the best players in the league, and they're starting to get their sea legs under them. Uh, I, I hope I hope LeBron's eye is okay. I mean, do they have to they have to put in like a you know Wolfman Jack glass eye? <laughs> or is he okay? I mean, if he got if he got the real eye, I hope so. Um, good grief! Well, he could have shot at any of those three baskets, and I think he would have made all three of them uh, that he was seeing three different hoops. So uh, you know, he's good enough well, to make if, it in all three. If, if you watch ESPN, LeBron James can do anything, and he probably would have made those three shots. But <laughs> Anyway, I mean, you, you talk about somebody doing amazing things. That was Steph Curry this year. And there's a lot of Debbie Downers out there at the start of the year about, well, we're going to see what Steph's really about now. He doesn't have a strong team around him and blah, 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 blah. And all the guy does is have his best season. And I mean that seriously. You know, I saw every game. I was there for many of the games in, in the 15-16 season when he put up incredible numbers with an incredible team. This was not an incredible team. And the dude won the scoring title. He was unbelievable this year. I think it was his finest season, given the circumstances, which kind of makes it a downer that you know, maybe they didn't go all in with this group and talk about it. You're kind of wasting Steph's prime season. And, I, I, you know, this is a guy who talks about being a warrior forever, but it's got to sting a little bit that, like, they didn't use the disabled player exception to get some help for this team. It's almost like they're saying, well, we're not really all in. We don't really believe this bunch is going to go anywhere. Steph, do your thing. If you make it to the playoffs, more power to you. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, Steph's a competitor. I don't know how that how that lands with him, though, in his heart of hearts with the way the franchise is dealing with things. He's saying the right things. And, again, I think it'll all depend on what happens in the offseason. But the, but the guy put up incredible numbers for, again, an under-the-rim player at age 33. It's a season I will never forget. And that's the number one takeaway from this season. I thought I thought he would be good this year. I thought it'd be fun, and we're certainly going to be more fun talking about this team this year with Steph than you know what we had to talk about last year. Uh, and he just exceeded expectations in that regard. I mean, by miles and miles. So that was the number one development this year. Uh, number two probably was um, you know the Wiseman situation and the misfortune about. Uh, his season and not being able to, to, to take the step forward. Number three, I think, was Jordan Poole's development. And number four, JTA. Got to love it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
And the thing about Steph was that it was must-see TV. And that I think that's why we watch sports anyway. You know, we we want to have something compelling when we're watching a game, whether it be a you know two great teams or close game that goes to overtime like we had tonight. But when you have somebody like Steph on the floor every game, you're so entertained. Uh, to me, that's that's the impression that I'm going to you know take with me from this season is that you know Steph Curry entertained me and us the entire season from day one all the way through uh, with surprising moments and, and scintillating moments. Uh, and, and I just hope that he can keep it going. You know, even though he's getting, he's going to start to get a little bit older, hopefully he can keep it, keep it going next year. Yeah. With Clay Thompson and you hope by say mid season, the splash brothers have returned and that will be a show once again. And, and I know, and I'm sure during their peak years, fans really, truly appreciated these guys. But they're going to really appreciate them uh, if Clay is able to come back to form next year because they know that it's going to be a very short time, maybe two or three years, that they're going to be the Splash Brothers. Uh, you know, I, 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 I can't imagine a time without these guys. You know, and we, we had it last year, and it was just a downer. Uh, it's going to be a hard adjustment when they finally leave the scene. So, you know, drink in the next couple of years with these guys. Uh, really looking forward to October. All right, Ray. Hey, thanks a lot for doing the podcast all year. Uh, just fantastic job by you. I always enjoy talking to you about uh, not only the Warriors, but uh, all sports. We miss you here in the Bay Area. I uh, hope to do it again next year. It sounds great, Joe. Can't wait. Thanks for listening to the Dubs OT Warriors podcast. Join Joe Castellano and Ray Woodson again next week on thesportsvirus.com.